Today comes at a climax in the church year. We've just finished walking with Jesus through his death, resurrection, and ascension, a complex of events in which he has won a decisive victory over sin, evil, and death. And then right on the heels of his ascension, we celebrate the birth of the church on Pentecost, when the promised Holy Spirit is poured out on Jesus' followers to equip them and empower them for mission in the world. The gospel reading for today takes us back to the night before Jesus died, to the farewell discourse, where Jesus tells his disciples what to expect after his death. And the lectionary invites us to go back, as it were, and hear these words again on the day in which we celebrate their fulfillment. As Jesus speaks to the disciples about his upcoming death, they're filled with sorrow, and he comforts them by speaking of another comforter, the Spirit of Truth, whom he will send to them after he returns to the Father. Now, we often think of the Spirit's work in terms of our own spiritual growth, our personal growth, the Spirit's work of inner sanctification, conforming us into the image of Christ. But the Spirit also equips and empowers us to take part in the ongoing ministry of Jesus. There are many aspects to this work but one which Jesus highlights in this passage is to bear witness to the truth about Jesus. And a remarkable thing happens when we speak the truth about Jesus. That same truth exposes the truth about the world and about ourselves. I'm not sure if you've ever noticed this about John's Gospel, but one of the many fascinating aspects is that it describes the life of Jesus in terms of a trial that's going on on two levels. On the surface level, it looks as though Jesus is on trial. It starts with questions like, what gives you the right to forgive sins or to heal on the Sabbath? And it ends with the formal trials before Caiaphas, the high priest, and Pilate. But what John wants us to see is that at a deeper level, it is actually the world that is on trial for how they respond to Jesus. We know the story. The world ends up passing judgment on Jesus, but it was the wrong judgment. And part of the Spirit's continuing work through us is to set the record straight about sin and righteousness and judgment. So let's think about each of, the, each of these from the world's perspective and then from God's. Jesus tells the disciples that the Spirit will prove the world wrong about sin. And it's important to remember that the world here refers not to the world in general, but to the world in its estrangement from God. It's the world in its hostility towards God. Well, what does the world, in the sense, say about sin? The world does not like to talk about sin, personal sin, that is. But the basic message seems to be something like, well, I'm not perfect, of course, but I try to lead a good life. In other words, on the topic of personal sin, the world tends to minimize evil. The real problem is not with me, it's over there with those people or that group or that individual. Jesus says, the Spirit will convict the world about sin because they do not believe in me. Interesting, the connection between sin and unbelief. The truth about sin is that it lies at the heart 
of all the world's problems. These problems, however serious, are symptoms of a much deeper problem within, our estrangement from God and our refusal to believe in the one who calls us out of that condition. Listen to how different Jesus sounds. He says, whoever sins is a slave to sin. This speaks much more of much more than just not being quite perfect, but of a spiritual and moral bondage. It's true, he goes on to say, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But the world must acknowledge the problem of bondage before it can accept the solution of freedom. A moving illustration of this is found in the second chapter of Acts, where Peter, inspired by the Spirit on that first Pentecost day, preaches his famous sermon, and we read that the crowds were cut to the heart. If you look at that passage, you'll notice that the Spirit's conviction is not for the purpose of condemnation, but in order to get people to see their need, their most basic need, and then to turn to Jesus. Jesus goes on to say that the Spirit will convict the world about righteousness because I am going to the Father. This one is a little trickier to see at first, I think, but it centers on Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension. What did the world say about Jesus? Well, it declared the righteous one guilty. Why would they do this? Now, of course, we know the story, and we're, we're used to how the story unfolds, so it's not as shocking to us. But if you've ever told this story, the story of Jesus, to a child or to children, they're usually shocked at this point. They just can't understand this. Why would anyone do this to Jesus, right? It just doesn't make any sense. The Gospel of John gives us a clue a little bit earlier in his Gospel. He says, the light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than light because their works were evil. In other words, it was done so that their own unrighteousness would not be brought to light an attempt to cover up our own sin and wickedness. The truth about righteousness is that Jesus' death was not a just condemnation, but a miscarriage of justice. Through his resurrection and ascension, God, God vindicates Jesus. He reveals his innocence. He overturns the world's guilty verdict and opens to us the only true path of righteousness. Lastly, Jesus says that the Spirit will convict the world about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. As you can see by this verse, judgment here refers primarily to the verdict of condemnation. So what does the world say about judgment? Who is it that the world condemns for its evil? Because the world does not deny that there is a problem of evil, that there is evil in the world. Far from it. Although the world tends to minimize personal evil, the evil that I commit, it tends to maximize evil out there. In fact, this has formed the basis of the main argument against God's existence, the problem of evil, which basically says that there's so much evil in the world that an all-good, all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God could not exist, or that at least if he does, he's got some serious explaining to do. So the world ultimately condemns God for all the evil in the world. 
and in a strangely ironic twist in both world history and in the story of Jesus, this general fist-waving at God turned into a literal condemnation of God on the cross. It's a staggering thought. The truth about judgment is that God stands against evil wherever it is found, in the world, in the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God, but also in each and every one of us. And God is not just against evil in a cold, detached way. He has gone to great lengths to deal with it at its source. For the Spirit teaches that while the world was condemning God on the cross, God was condemning evil, triumphing over it through the victory of Christ's love. Of course, this is only one aspect of the Spirit's work, and probably not as exciting as we're used to hearing on Pentecost, but it is an important one, and the Spirit continues to work through the church to convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment, not in order to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be awakened to its deepest need and turn to Jesus for freedom and wholeness and peace. And as we get about our mission, bearing witness to the truth about Jesus and facing opposition and trials along the way, remember how hopeless things looked on Good Friday. And may the Spirit comfort us with Jesus' parting words. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world.